This meeting is now being recorded. Okay, Charles, at this point, I would just like to pass over to you just to really give us your story and how the Linden Method came about. It's it's a long story, obviously. I mean, I'm 47 now, so the the development of um, of my anxiety and the and the uh, and the development of the Linda method is, is a pretty long story. But I'll, I'll try and I'll try and tell you it succinctly. Um, I from very on in the, early on in my life, I, I suffered from from high anxiety conditions. It started pretty much from birth, as as far as I can remember, with sleeplessness and separation anxiety. It developed very quickly in school, more to, towards OCD behaviors, so repetitive behaviors. I did things like sifting things through my teeth so that I didn't swallow something sharp, and I, I would uh, make humming noises to check that my voice was, was still there. And so the very low-level anxiety responses, but they were nonetheless at that point quite disturbing, and, and, and I had absolutely no idea that, that uh, the other children around me weren't suffering in the same way or weren't experiencing the same kind of... Um, experiences day to day. So as I went through to my teens, um, I became acutely aware that my uh, my fear levels weren't weren't quite right. I was constantly shaking, constantly fearing uh, bus trips, um, school trips, uh, sleepovers, you know, uh, football, rugby matches away. Anything that represented being away from a personal place of safety just represented this this overwhelming sense of, uh, or gave, gave rise to this overwhelming sense of doom, almost like I was, um, you know, I was traveling towards, towards certain death. And, and it, it became, it escalated towards my mid-teens. I think as I went through puberty, there were some things happening, um, you know, in, in terms of my endocrinology, so hormones were changing. Those were obviously getting very uh, mixed up with the, the uh, hormone reactions during high, you know, during stress and high anxiety. So I think there were a whole load of things going on on a, on a sort of cellular level and a chemical level within me that, that caused me to, to suddenly have this, this outburst of horrendous anxiety and panic attacks, agoraphobia, school phobia. Um, the OCD focused mostly on contamination, on, on illness. Um, I had what I now know to be pure O, which was, um, for me, that manifested mostly as existentialist thoughts, uh, why are we? Why do we exist? What, what am I doing here? What's my purpose? Thinking of myself on a cellular level, almost. Thinking, you know, I, I'm just a lump of meat, an entity walking around the world. Um, I also had specific phobias about, uh, well, I say phobias, puro-type thoughts around sexuality, specifically homosexuality. So I was, I was very aware of being amongst other men and, and, and the thoughts the what-if thought, the risk assessment that my anxiety was creating, was um, w was focusing on, you know, what if I'm gay? What if what if I touch this man? What if I kiss this man? Um, clearly now, in hindsight, and knowing what I know about anxiety and puro specifically, I know that those thoughts were risk assessments, and so were focusing on the worst-case scenario, not on the best-case scenario. So they, they meant I was heterosexual, but at the time they made me feel uh, fearful that I might do something homosexual which, of course, would have filled me with even more fear. So this fueled panic attacks, more OCD, agoraphobia. And as I went into, I, I, went, to, I went to live in Germany when I was around 18. Um, and when I was on my own out there, it, initially it was a new adventure, so my anxiety was at a lower ebb. But uh, the more time I spent there and the more separated I felt from my parents and my family, um, mixed with various things that went on whilst I was there, 
my anxiety escalated to a point where it was it was literally off the scale. I hardly ever left the house. Um, I was having eight to ten panic attacks a day. Um, the OCD was, you know, at 50%, let's say. It wasn't overwhelming, but it was enough to be very, very disturbing. So I returned to England, um, and from that point on, it was a downward spiral. I ended up um, about four years later heavily medicated, taking uh, diazepam, um, Zispin, um, Stelazine, which is an antipsychotic they were trying to use with me, um, a number of old-school medications, old-school antidepressants. Um, then they tried things like, um, you know, the, the, the normal SSRIs, the, the Prozac, and, and those drugs. Nothing helped. I had psychotherapy. I had um, all sorts of um, strange talking therapies and alternative therapies, and it was it was overwhelming. And I, I got to the point where I was a housebound agoraphobic. Um, at one point, I didn't leave the house for around six months. I had um, I had chronic OCD, mostly featuring. Um, uh, contamination issues, um, things around uh, contamination. My, my mum at the time was working in, in, in healthcare, so I was very focused, as was the media, on things like HIV. Um, you know, I, I was dying from every uh, life-shortening illness that you could think of, whether it was multiple sclerosis or cancer or, or, um, or AIDS or anything I could think of. But it, was, it, it got to the point where, really, the mental health people didn't know what to do with me. My GPs didn't know what to do with me, and I was at home, alone, wrapped in a duvet, wondering what the hell I was going to do with my life to change it and, and to become the person I felt I could always be. Um, and it was literally overwhelming. And it was during that time that I started to think about the true nature of my suffering um, and on really reflecting on exactly what it was that, that fueled my anxiety and what it was and, and those times at which I felt my anxiety was at its highest I was able to put together a, um, a map if you like um, sort of almost like a, an infographic of exactly how my emotional responses um, were um, dancing in unison almost or choreographed with the activities I, I did in, every, in my everyday life so I could, I could map out how my thoughts affected my behaviours, how my behaviours affected my uh, subconscious, how my subconscious responded, and how my ke body chemistry and mind chemistry responded, and how that manifested in my body. And I started to dissect this feedback loop and understand exactly what it was that causes and perpetuates high anxiety states, or high fear states, as I prefer to call them. And, and there's, a, there's an important message in that, because I, um, I don't want to go on about this, because it's, it, but it's something that's very close to my heart. Anxiety is an inappropriate manifestation of fear. Anxiety is never appropriate. People use the word anxiety to mean, um, you know, they, they'll say, oh, I was going on stage and I felt anxious. What you're supposed to feel when you go on stage is a high level of fear, the emotion of fear. I don't believe anxiety is something that anybody should have, ever have to tolerate. And I believe anxiety is curable. I don't believe fear is curable because fear is an accepted and uh, a normal response to, to, to a fear catalyst. But I know that anxiety is curable because not only am I anxiety free, but I'm... I've cured thousands of people who now come to me and say, I just have normal fear responses. Um, and so the Linden Method came about because I structured what I've done to recover very quickly. I, I, I stopped my panic attacks in less than 24 hours. I became um, non-agrophobic within four or five days. Um, and I went back to my doctors a week later, later almost totally anxiety-free. Came off my medication and then went forward into life and have never suffered since. 
So I charted that and I put it into a, a structure that I knew the people would understand. And initially I gave that away free of charge. Um, the people responded in the same way as me. I started giving them specific advice, bespoke advice about certain elements of their life structure and life practices, and that made them more compliant and therefore they responded faster. I then started to del deliver that via CDs and DVDs. I then, I then hired a staff to help me to do the support by telephone and email. And over time, um, this is 17 years ago now, over 17 years ago, over time it became very structured and we started receiving referrals from psychologists and GPs and clinics. Um, we then started the Anxiety Recovery Retreats, which is the, the residential formatted anxiety recovery programs. Um, we then discovered that people who had recovered wanted to uh, help us to take the Linda Method out to the world. And um, we've created the, the educational programs where people can practice to be um, anxiety recovery coaches. And we're at a place now where we've helped just over 179,000 people uh, worldwide with 100% um, success rate with compliance. Um, and uh, recently, we've, um, we, we, every three years, we do tests to see whether our efficacy rates, rates have improved. And last year, um, we were seen to drop people from an average GAD7 rating of 18.24 out of 21, which is severe anxiety, to 2.84, which is below normal. So the cure rate is absolute, and we're very proud of the fact we have fantastic people working with us to deliver the programs, and we're continuing to grow and, and help more and more people. And that, in a nutshell, is, is the story. That's amazing, Charles. That's absolutely amazing. Fantastic. Fantastic. And you know Charles, what, you know what's huge about Aaron, and I know that he's not going to say this, and I'm going to be rude and interrupt, but I will say Aaron, and he won't. He won't blow his own trumpet about this. <clears throat> I have recorded that we have had 2,481 people that we have helped in eight months. Yes. 2,481. Mm -hmm. In all of that time, Aaron has helped each and every one of these people and has mentioned on each and every call with each and every one of these, he has mentioned about using the Linden Method. And the That's reason why nice. he has, Charles, I know this sounds, uh, Aaron is thinking, oh, he's been bigged up. And I know you like it deep down, but he doesn't blow his own trumpet about things. No. But I will say, Charles, that he's such a huge advocate of the Linden Method and of your principles and ideas. Because as he says at the end of each call, I use them because they work. Yes. And yes. I, I really love that, the simplicity of that line. Mm -hmm. I really do, and I, I think it's so amazing. You know, the, the thing is, Shelley, you know, people ask me all the time, you know, I think that some people can be quite contentious and want to provoke some kind of, you know, sort of angry response from me, but we get criticised for saying things like um, the process we use is the only solution and that, um, you know, that it's 100% effective. The problem, the problem is, and the, the stumbling block that we always have with answering these problems is that it depends, I guess, on the, the de definitions that used by the people I'm speaking to. But, you know, the human body was made to a blueprint, and it doesn't matter, you know, what gender you are or your background or your conditioning or, you know, we're, we're pretty much, we, we all function in pretty much the same way. And the thing is that the endocrine system and the neurology, um, certainly that neurology that is, implicated in the, in, in the emotions and, and specifically here in anxiety and fear 
um, is the same in every single person. There are minute differences, but the problem is that people don't realize there are a million treatments out there for the, for the, um, the treatment of cut skin, for example. Um, you could go to any pharmacy, especially in the U.S., where you know, you've probably got six or 700 products on shelves, any which can, can cure or, or dress or disinfect, um, you know, break in the skin. But there is only one solution for, for cut skin, and that is your body's ability to send new skin cells to the gap and close it up. And it's the same with anxiety recovery. There are a million treatments out there for anxiety, but ultimately mm. there's only one solution, and that is your brain's uh, you, you, the, activating those things within your brain structures that turn off the emotion of fear and then re, uh, rejig the neurology to prevent you from suffering from it again. That is it. There is no other solution. And that's what we promote, and that's why this works so effectively, because it is the solution, not the Linda method, it doesn't matter what you call it, but the process that we have created creates recovery, because that's just the way the brain and body work. And, and it can't be questioned. We've had neurophysiologists, neuro, neuroscientists, psychologists, you know, sit there with us for hours questioning what we do. And ultimately, they all come out with the same conclusion. Well, yeah, this makes complete sense. And it does, which is why it works. Yes. Yeah. Can I, um, uh, it's Aaron here. Um, there's just a couple of points um, that I would like to just uh, talk about. Mm -hmm. But when you were speaking there, as per when I was reading the manual and listening to all the, actually one thing I must say is uh, very strange is listening to you speak now, whereas I'm usually listening to you speaking uh, through the pillars or the uh, visualizations. Mm -hmm. So I was waiting for you to start with the beach visualization, which is my favorite. I can do Structure that uses utilizes this 
you know, this um, psychophysiological fact, if you like. It's the only, it's the only one that makes sense from a, from, a, from a scientific perspective. But, I mean, that's not to say I knew that at the start. It's a happy accident to an extent that the method I happened to d deliver conforms to this science. It isn't that I was a, you know, that I was a born researcher and went off and did some kind of research project to find out, you know, what the psychology and neurology was, and from that I developed the method. It was developed the other way around. I, I, I did what I thought would work. It worked, and then I discovered why it worked, and it makes complete yep. sense. And I think the other thing yep. to say is that, you know what, every sufferer out there, whilst the suffering is often unbearable and horrendous, what these people have to remember is that the reason that they suffer is because they're incredibly special. It's not, it's not a weakness. It's not a frailty. It's because they have something that pretty much around 70%, 75% of the population don't have. And, it's, and it's, uh, it's a strength. It's why all of the greats through history have suffered from anxiety-related conditions. You look at the musicians, the artists, the architects. You look back at the, the, the history of, of mental health and look at all the, at all the famous and, and, and not-so-famous people that have, have created the world that we live in. And they, pretty much most of them have suffered at some point with some kind of anxiety-related condition. And that's no coincidence. That's because this only yep. strikes the most intellectually capable people uh, on the planet, which is why we're uh. now at a position where, <laughs> you know, it's at pandemic proportions, because there are far more academically um, uh, capable people now than there were perhaps 200, 300, 400 years ago. Yeah, and e even that, it's actually funny that you bring that up, subject that I studied there recently out of pure interest and I looked at it and most, the most famous inventors of all time and I mean almost all inventors without exception mm -hmm. suffered some form of anxiety yeah. and by that I don't mean they suffered a fear that oh, oh dear what this doesn't work yeah. I mean they suffered with anxiety day in day out they suffered it and what, uh, you know, we wouldn't, the people who invented our cars, the people who come up with our light bulbs, they suffered anxiety, uh, horrendous anxiety, except back then they used different methods and um, especially during the late 1800s and so when a lot of things were invented and early 1900s there was people uh, using opium yeah. as a, their way of getting through anxiety, which of course didn't work and of did course. work uh, in the hour or so they were using it, yeah. but afterwards it made it much worse. Absolutely. Um, and people self-medicated with, with, with alcohol. And I mean, millions of women, literally millions of women worldwide die, died in, in mental health facilities because they were suffering from, from what they thought was complete madness, which actually turned out to be an anxiety-related, you know, uh, 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 condition, yeah, maybe you know, postnatal depression or a similar condition that, that caused them to respond aggressively or adversely, and they were locked away. And um, yeah. women often had the vapors. I mean, we've all heard this thing about the vapors. Well, the vapors was a, a very you know sort of simplistic way of describing a panic attack, um, an yeah. anxiety state. Yeah, I mean, but I said that but, back then, you had less intellectually capable people, so you had less of it. Um, but now, of course, the world has become, you know, very, uh, uh, we, we, you know, sort of our, our social evolution has been expedited and our physical evolution has plateaued, and if, if not, is actually reducing through, through, through a thing called activism. We're actually de-evolving, so we're becoming less physically capable of living in the world that we've intellectually created, which is a phenomenal dilemma, you know? Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. I agree 100%. Um, there's just, while we're, while we're just still recording, what I would like to ask, and I know um, a lot of people on the call would love to know, really is, if you were to give a synopsis of your method, mm. how would you go about How would you give that? Gosh, I'm asked this so often. It's, it's, it's <laughs> difficult because, as you know, um, I, mean, I, I will I'll give you an answer, but let me first say this. The, the, the recovery journey is, it, despite the fact that the structure of the method um, in terms of the resources that you, you receive are the same in every case, so it's a one-size-fits-all in term, terms of the resources, the one thing that, or the two things really, that, that make it so bespoke and so uh, tailored to the individual is the fact that on, on receiving it and going through it, the person knows what they need, albeit subconsciously, and takes from the method what it is they need prescriptively. So in other words, if we were describing a buffet, they will go along the buffet and take from the buffet those things that they feel they'll benefit most from in that point, at that point in time. So the method's a little bit like that in terms of the self-service. So I, I've presented a whole load of resources, and people take from it exactly what it is that their neurology needs. And that's, it, it's, not a, it's not even a, a conscious decision. It's almost like their subconscious is saying to them, this is the bit that you need, and you need to stitch it together with this. And when you couple that with the, the, the very strict structure, the day structure, and then also the compliance policing, which we call the pillars, and on top of that, that then add the telephone or email support, what you get is a program that is very much structured and uh, tailored to the individual. And it may only be that there's been a 10% manipulation of the, the core resources, but in that 10% comes 90% of the curative success. So people, so to describe what the method is in, in, in a nutshell is, is quite difficult because it's different for every person, despite the fact that they get the same resources. Um, and everybody you ask, how, you know, how did it help you, will describe, describe that recovery journey in a different way. But it, and, it, and it's just so, so, so simple. But ultimately, the, the, the method is built up of, um, A, a strict day structure, so in other words, you're asked to do things within your day structure um, in, a, in a very, in a very um, uh, structured way in order to um, change the neurology that causes the feedback loop between your subconscious mind that controls your anxiety and your senses. In other words, what you put in, if you change what you put in, it gives rise to a different output. And then if you couple that with the compliance policing, which allows you, which forces you, actually, to, to be compliant, to, to stick to the rules, to allow the changes to happen quickly, you get another loop happening, and that loop is the same loop that somebody would experience, for example, in the first week of a, of a, of a diet. Um, if they see themselves losing weight and other people start to say, you're looking well, you know, you, you look like you've lost a little bit of weight, the emotional response received uh, or created by the brain to those kinds of comments then spur the person on subconsciously mostly, to continue with the diet and to, be, and to be compliant. So there's a whole load of things going on that most clients are unaware of. And it's, it's a, uh, a clever way of creating um, appropriate emotional response so that the inappropriate emotional responses are switched off. And it's, um, yeah. it's very structured. It's very simple. I mean, we have kids of seven doing it. They don't even know they're doing it. And in, in days, and sometimes genuinely in hours, um, in fact, I've, I've helped people 
14, 15, 16 years of age that are so intellectually malleable, they're so, they're so open to and, and suggestible, if you want to call it that, in this sort of hypnagogic state almost, that when I describe to them what they've got to do to be cured in an hour, an hour and a half, there's a girl on the website, it's actually called Holly, um, you can see her on the, on the lindencenter.org website, and she, she's, she's a great, she t- talks brilliantly about how I only saw her for an hour and a half. And what happens is that just by uh, me telling them what they've got to do to become anxiety-free, believe it or not, they become anxiety-free, almost instantaneously. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's something different for every person. And when I have direct contact and when I, my team have direct contact with people, say through the retreats, for example, it's, the, the, the compliance is almost totally ensured. So the, the curative response is much, much faster and, and much fuller. If, it, if somebody's doing the Linda method remotely, obviously we don't have direct access, so we provide more tools to enable that to happen remotely, um, which is why the success in both formats is, is equal. We just give them different things to make it work within their own, own environment. But it's, it's so simple that anybody can do it. Of all ages. It is. I know I, I completely agree. And one, th- one thing that I would point out um is, is people that I have recommended this to, recommended you should get on board with this. Everyone has come back to me saying they've had a eureka moment. Mm. Now, it could be different things. Different, it's not always the same thing. No. They have a eureka. My eureka moment happened almost instantly. With When I start reading, uh, reading the manual, I was doing the pillars every day. And when I was reading the manual, I was reading like it was almost my story. Mm. And I was able to follow everything that was in there very clearly. But everyone I spoke to who has done it, they've all come back and said they had this moment of of revelation. Mm. That they realize, all of a sudden they realize, hold on a second, I can do this. This this isn't difficult. This is It's easy to follow. It's, there's nothing difficult about it. Once you follow the steps, once you follow in the method, there's nothing difficult about it. No. And people come back saying they have that moment of revelation, and I can tell how you, oh my God, how powerful it is. Yeah. It's just absolutely amazing, and for me, it changed my entire life. Absolutely changed my entire life, and that is why the Linden method is the only method in the world that I actually advocate to others. That's very kind of you. I mean, we, we, we're very proud of it. You know, I mean, and the thing is, if people realized that the, the method process, the daily process you go through, is actually less fear-inducing and less difficult than managing your anxiety every morning when you wake up, if they realized how quickly they can feel better, that is the, that's the biggest thing... For us, as you know, when we, I mean, we're not a sales company. We're, we, you know, we're, we're a company that sell a self-help program and, and, and retreat programs. We're a company that want to cure people, which is why we've always kept the, the price of, of what we provide, so, you know, so affordable because we just want to help more and more people. Um, we've been criticised for that in the past, very heavily criticised by people who've been trying to advise us about, you know, moving forward with the business. But I, I have a very strong. Uh, connection to all sufferers, especially young people, because it's just so pointless. And 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 what the the one thing that people, there are two things people say. They say, oh, I'm saving it till till I'm absolutely desperate. I'm because I know it works, so I'm saving it till to the last resort. That's the one thing we hear. And the other thing we hear is, well, isn't it isn't it going to make me more anxious? Because when I had when I had flooding, when I had um, exposure therapy, when I had 
you know, uh, some talking therapy, I used to leave and feel worse. You know, and, and but what they don't realise is, um, again, it, you know, the, the emotional payoff when you start is that you feel compelled to continue because it makes you feel better. It's like all good yeah. things that give you pleasure. You know, if you feel pleasure, you t- you tend to want to go back to doing it, um, yeah. and then repeat it. It's yeah, no, in I, relation I, to sorry, Aaron, I beg your pardon. It was just a, no, a point I, that you made yeah. in relation to the exposure therapy. Mm. There are a couple of members um, who would indeed be participating in the call this evening, and a couple of them had mentioned about, you know, the exposure therapy, how severe it seems, etc., and they they questioned about it, you know, would they see the end of it, and why was it used that way, etc., and they've actually come back to me since and said, now I understand. Mm. So again, it's it's like there, as you said, it's like you know the answer to the freedom. So it's it's yeah, just yeah. it's really nice. So thank you. I no, I mean it's, it's important for, for people to understand really what the how the neurology works, and you know it's it's frustrating for us because you know for example the people that work in our centre at the support team, whilst they're all ex-sufferers, um, so they understand the condition deeply, they're also trained in a number of conventional therapies which they no longer use with anxiety disorders. Everything has its place. Everything has its use. But you, it's pointless. You know, the NHS are masters of this, for example. You know, they, they try to force square pegs into round holes just because the resource is there, and it, and it doesn't work. And just because somebody offers a particular um, therapy doesn't mean that they have to use it for absolutely every ill. Uh, and to make promises based on that is, 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 is just awful. We, have, we hear this so often where people have been pushed into a number of different practices, you know, and, and kind of paid in many cases to have things because of the promise of, of, of relief. And then they come back to us both disappointed and, and very often more anxious. And so, that, you know, the, all, of these, all of the therapies that are out there have their place and they, and they have their purpose and they have their value, but not in every single disorder. And I think it's it's a shame when, when people are pushed into therapies that don't work uh, by people who know they don't work but still push them to them because it's it's cruel, really. And uh, it's yes. not something I'd ever, I would ever do. Um, and it's not something our practitioners do. And it's, you know, it's all about the sufferer. It's all about providing what the person needs to recover and making a promise. And we often have people say, well, you know, um, the Linda method, you know, what, how do we know it works? And I say, well, you know, the thing is, try it, and if it doesn't, send it back. Because there is no other uh, mental health organization that, that, that gives you unlimited access to the, the level of experience and knowledge that my, my team have, and then say to you, well, you know, you can use it for up to 365 days when you feel ready, and if it doesn't work for you, send it back, and we'll give you your money back. You try going to the guy that gave me talking therapy for nearly two years that charged me nearly £40,000 and ask him for the, for a refund. You know, you didn't take your <laughs> Give him the forty grand back. He's driving around in his Porsche. He doesn't want to give his Porsche back. Believe me. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's, it's all about credibility and when people look into what we do, they see that, you know, we, we really mean what we say and we really deliver, I believe, on, on what we say, over-deliver on what we, on what we say. Yeah, I can I can vouch for the the fact that the 
staff there are absolutely fantastic and the members of your team are absolutely fantastic. I've been talking to a lot of them. I've been talking to a lot of them over the past few days mm-hmm. and uh, I can definitely vouch for that. Yeah, um, great people. Now, I'm shortly going to open lines. Mm-hmm. However, I have a question from one of our members who has asked me to put forward this question. Mm-hmm. And I think it might be good as we're recording to uh, to ask it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, the question was regarding, not really a question, it was more asking for advice. Yep. So uh, the person in question has asked for advice. Your what is, excuse me, what your advice is for dealing with agoraphobia? Mm-hmm. Okay, very simple. If the question had been. What's your advice about about OCD or derealization or depersonalization or panic disorder or an eating disorder? The answer would be the same. That's the first thing to say. All of these things are categorized by psychology and by medicine. Um, I don't know who does that categorization. I don't know why they do it, but they do it. And I'll describe it like this. You know, when you get, we were talking earlier about, um, you know, the, the cold or flu. When you go to the, to the doctors and say, uh, I've got, a, I've got a, a runny nose and a sore throat, you don't get treated for you know, tickly throat syndrome and runny nose syndrome and coffee chest syndrome. You get treated for the flu. You get given medication to systemically get rid of the infection that causes the flu virus. Um, or alternatively, if you get a boil, you don't you know, put ointment on the top and just hope for the best, you take antibiotics, it goes in through the bloodstream, and it pulls the infection out from below. So it's systemic. And I'm getting to a point here because this is really, really important. Um, Agoraphobia, OCD, PTSD, derealization, depersonalization, panic disorder, are symptoms. They're not categories of conditions. They cannot exist, any of them, in the absence of a high anxiety state. When um, OCD experts, charities, websites state things like OCD causes anxiety as fact, they are so skewing science and misleading people. Anxiety is a prerequisite to suffering from OCD, agoraphobia, PTSD, and all those other conditions. They are symptoms of high anxiety. And the answer to the question is there are ways that you can, during your anxiety recovery, during you know, the, the journey you'll take to become anxiety-free, there are things you can do and things that we provide and th- other things that you can do that will expedite your recovery from agoraphobia. But ultimately, if you do what needs to be done to create anxiety recovery, all of those things will drop away. They will die. They cannot exist in the absence of a high-anxiety state. So you don't need to address those conditions separately. You don't need to see somebody who specializes in OCD relief or agoraphobia relief. You don't need to do flooding or or, or, uh, any kind of specific therapy that people have developed. What you need to do is focus on getting rid of the anxiety. And one morning you're going to wake up, you're going to walk into town, you're going to be in Tesco's doing your shopping, and you're going to say, my God, I wouldn't have come here yesterday. And and you'll find yourself on a plane, you'll find yourself on holiday, and you'll be checking yourself saying, I don't believe this. A year ago, on a plane, Florida, me, never. But the the whole process 
of recovery has taken you to a point where you don't even consider those things as anxiety-provoking because they're no longer anxiety-provoking. And in the same way as people with eating disorders just suddenly find themselves eating again normally and not throwing up after every meal and not starving themselves, and they say, but I haven't actually addressed the eating disorder. I haven't actually addressed the OCD. I haven't actually addressed the panic. No, you don't need to. You just need to get rid of the core anxiety and the agoraphobia will die. It will just literally fall away because it's a symptom of the high anxiety. That's it, in a nutshell, and that's how it works, every time. It's fantastic. That's absolutely brilliant, and I think, and I know that uh, the person quite well who was asked that question, and I think she will be very, very happy with that response. I know and don't forget, fact. she's also somebody who has incredible intellectual capacity, who currently isn't using it. And that's a fact, because her anxiety yeah. is preventing her from doing the things that would uh, allow her to move forward through recovery, and it's also preventing her from going to the places that she would most love to be. And the thing is that yeah. that's all because she has an incredible mind and needs to start using it appropriately. But one point that I've always, always stressed is that it takes an incredible amount of intelligence to actually have anxiety in the first it place. It does. Um, yeah. I'm glad that, or I'm glad that you said that as well because I, I've always said that, and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that said, "Oh, he's mad when he when I said that." I might be, I might be mad, but I was correct. If, we, um, if I was starting a business today, I would get a thousand anxious people. I'd line them up. I'd give them all the work. I'd cure them, and then I'd have them working for me because they're the most resourceful capable people that you could possibly ever want on any workforce or in your life in general. Yeah, that's absolutely fantastic. Um, what I'm going to do now, um, Charles, is I'm, actually, I'm time, con time conscious. I'm going to stop the recording because okay. obviously we do not record any, uh, we do not record any of our participants. Okay. Um, so I'm going to do that right now. Mm -hmm. Hang on.